Well, back at it again, boys. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Let your mind peel away the mysteries of the world. That's right. I'm talking deep. Frazzle drift deep. This is Whiskey, Beer, and Conspiracies Podcast. Oh, by the way, my balls is hot. 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 Hello and welcome to another episode of Whiskey, Beer, and Conspiracies Podcast. I am one of your hosts for this evening, Big Country, as always. Unfortunately, Chris and Boya are not with us tonight. They had some fatherly and work duties. Nevertheless, I'll be taking the reins on this one. And we have a very special guest, which I'm so excited to talk about. Uh, to talk with tonight, and before I introduce this gentleman, um, a little bit of the business, so please make sure you check us out uh, on our website, wbconspiracies.com. We have all of our episodes that are available there. We also have a handful of documentaries, some that were pulled off of YouTube, Big Time Shocker on that one, as well as some merchandise that you can get to support the show. We have a handful of affiliates that you can check out there as well, and some of the links to our GoFundMe, which we are about halfway to our goal uh, to get these new microphones to launch our Patreon. So help us do that. So Forget all that stuff. Tonight's guest is someone who's I'm I'm so excited to speak with due to the fact that he is an expert on something that I am so very excited to actually have somebody as knowledgeable as he is on this show. So without further ado, La Marzuli. Did I say that right? L.A. L- fuck! I knew I was gonna do it. See, I knew I was gonna do it. Just blame. I'll just blame it on the whiskey. I've had a little bit tonight. All right. So, sir, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. And um, give us give us a, an intro and a little bit of your background. Well, um, I'm a filmmaker. I've written 13 books. I've uh, produced or co-produced like over 20 films and counting. The new series we're working on is called Trail of the Nephilim. There are six installments in that series. Number seven is coming. Uh, I'm actually in, the, in post-production editing it right now. And basically my worldview is this, that there is a supernatural mm-hmm. world that is that the fingerprints are all around us everywhere. It's global. But and in fact, mm-hmm. I remember... I'll, I'll just jump down a rabbit hole here. I remember years and years ago, uh, I was at a conference in Newark, Ohio, my first time to the place. And I've visited that place numerous times now, too many to count, because of the artifacts that are there and because of the sites that are there. The largest earthworks in the world are in Newark, Ohio. And I remember with finding out about this from Fritz Zimmerman. And Fritz and I have been at many different sites. And Fritz is featured in many of the films that we do. But the point I'm trying to make is I remember with my driver, uh, the conference was done. My driver was taking me back to the hotel. And I said, listen, um, I, I want to go to this place. Can you take me there? And he said, yes. We go buy it. We've been by it every time. And I had no idea because I didn't know where it was. 
And I said, well, how long have you lived here? He said, 17 years. And I said, have you ever been there? He goes, oh, no, I just, you know, I just drive by it every day. And I was like really taken aback by that. So he lets me off in the parking lot. And there's nobody there. There's nobody in the parking lot, all right? No other cars. It's it's like a Sunday afternoon. I think it was in the fall, early fall. And we're, he lets me off and I said, you know, come pick me up in like an hour and a half, two hours, whatever. So there's a little asphalt pathway and I start following that up. And I can see to my left that this, this mound work is there. So I get to the top of the path and I, I look to my left. I'll never forget it as long as I live. And this is, I don't know, 10 years ago. And this started me on, on where, I, where I am now. This one moment, this, this moment in time is pivotal for me. It's life-changing. It's the type of in a person's life maybe a few times, if, if that, if at all. And I remember standing in the entrance of the Great Circle Mound in Newark, Ohio, and looking at this massive earthwork that went 1,200 feet from side to side. And as far as I could see, it was like this, it was all part of this one incredible place. And I just sat there, frozen in time, staring at it. I mean, just like hyperventilating, afraid to move. I can't, I'm trying to describe it in a way that, you know, maybe people who are listening can understand. I was frozen. Every cell in my body was like just just on, on a full alert. I was looking at the great circle mound, and the hair in the back of my neck was up, and I was hyperventilating. I was afraid to move. I was afraid to move because I realized what I was looking at was something that was about to trigger me for the next who knows how many years of my life, and that's what it's done. It's been over 10 years, and I've been all over the world looking at these ancient sites and realizing that when you're in those sites, you are touching the fingerprints of the supernatural. Oh man, that is chilling almost to the, just to the core. Um, I, 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 I want to, there's so many questions I have just running around in my brain right now. Um, and, and, and one of those is when you talk about the Nephilim and the, the, the fallen angels of the Bible. Now, we had done an episode about the Nephilim, probably not obviously as intel as in detail as you have gone into them. But um, from our understanding of it, it would, it would seem that the reason when we did the research for the show that we did, it would seem that there's, there's a particular group of people out there, and I don't know what, what, what name you could call them, but it would seem that they don't want anybody to know about this group or lineage or bloodline, however you want to call them, of the Nephilim. And it's funny, I always joke with my wife um, about it. I said, because she goes the, uh, through these ups and downs of medical issues, and I'm like, it's because you got that fucking angel blood in you. But she's RH negative. So I always make this joke with her. I'm like, it's because you got that angel blood. That's what it is. That's, your, that's the thing. Um, so you, as you had mentioned, when you had saw the circle mount, how many of these these places on the earth are there? Is it is there five? Is there ten? Is there hundreds? Is there thousands? Well, I, for, first of all, I would say that there's thousands of them, um, in, in the places that we've gone, and and I've been to, 
Israel and all over Europe, um, South America, not all over South America, but, you know, mostly Peru, a little bit in Bolivia, Mexico, all over the United States, um, Spain, Portugal, France, the UK, uh, a lot of the islands in the Mediterranean. It's everywhere. It's global. It's over in Russia. It's in China. It's, it's global. It's absolutely global. Something was here. What we're looking at, and let's just take one of our films, um, number five in the series. We call it the Axis Mundi. It's in a site in New Hampshire called America's Stonehenge. All right. And the site is about a 4,000 year old site. And this site is incredible because there are artifacts there. Let me just give you one. There was a stone that was found uh, when they archaeologists kind of went in there. When I say archaeologists, they weren't degree, but they were they were uh, combing through the site. The site is a four thousand year old site in New Hampshire. All right, that's America, and so there was a collapsed chamber, and there the roof's like this. So part of it's collapsed, part of it's still where it's supposed to be, and they start digging around and looking for artifacts, and they find an artifact, and it's a stone. It's about this. It's about oh, maybe 18 inches by 18, 18 by 16, something like that. And it's got writing on it, but no one can read the writing. Okay. But it's definitely writing, but they're not sure what it is. And so it lays in their museum for 11 years. No one knows what this is. They know it's writing, but no one can decipher it. So Professor Barry Fell Harvard University professor, hears about this in journeys from Harvard, Boston, not that far away, about an hour's drive, to, to look at the, the stone. And he looks at the stone and he realizes, I think I can decipher that. That looks like Iberian Punic to me. Iberia is the whole Spanish Portugal Peninsula. That was Iberia, okay? So thousands of years ago. And he says, I think I can decipher that. So he takes a picture of it, a rubbing of it, whatever. I'm not sure exactly how he took it. Maybe he took the stone itself. I doubt that. But he, he took, he, he was able to take a rubbing of it and went back. And several weeks later, he deciphers it. And it says, to Baal of the Canaanites in dedication. Okay, that's the first thing. So they knew something was up because Baal, the Canaanites, points to a Middle Eastern connection. They know that. But they know nothing about the Nephilim. Nothing about it. Mm -hmm. I'm there filming Kelsey Stone, who's the third generation of the family who's been caretakers over the site. And he's taking me through the museum. And he's got, and I've got a little Osmo camera. And I'm, I'm just all B-roll. That's all I'm looking for, just some B-roll, right? to cut something to cut to in post-production. And he's taking me in. This is the 20, you know, eight day or 24 day stone, whatever it is. Here are some arrowheads. And, and here in this display case, or we have the artifacts with, with writing on them. Oh, okay. That's pretty interesting. Right? So I go, well, what's this stone? And he goes, well, that's, that's, we, that's the stone that, that was found underneath this collapsed chamber. And Professor Dr. Barry Fell came in and did the translation. And I go, this is all in, all in the film. I didn't edit any of it. And I go, well, what does it say? And he says, to Baal of the Canaanites in dedication. At this point in the film, 
there's this long pause. And then you hear me say, what did you just say? I, I can't, I can't believe what I'm hearing. Okay. I'm just like, my jaws on the ground. I'm like, what, do, you know, I, what did you just say? Sure. And he sort of laughs nervously he's all on camera and he goes to ball of the Canaanites in dedication. Well, later on, we take the stone out of the case, we put it down and we do a whole shoot around the stone. And I, and I say, you know, and th they didn't know what they had. Now it's not because they're ignorant. It's just that this is my wheelhouse. I've been, I've dedicated my life to this ball of the Canaanites is an ancient Canaanite God. The Canaanites are a Nephilim. That's a broad term for the Nephilim. And to have that stone sitting there in New Hampshire rewrites history. Now, archaeologists, well, you know, we're not sure what this really, somebody could have forged it, blah, 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 blah. Okay, let me get this straight. So somebody goes and forges the stone, goes up there in the middle of the night, you know, covers it up in, in the thing and just hopes that somebody will dig it up. So then somebody digs it up and no one knows what it says because it's an ancient Iberian Punic and it sits there for 11 freaking years before Dr. Barry Fell comes in and deciphers it. And then it says to Baal of the Canaanites and still nobody really understands the significance of this. Yeah, it, it proves that someone came from the Middle East 4,000 years ago, hundreds of years, thousands of years before Columbus. It does rewrite history. I get it. But no one's connecting it to the biblical Nephilim and the fact that there's a supernatural dynamic to the entire site. Then you couple that with the sacrificial table, which is about 10 feet long, about six feet wide. It's got a channel all the way around it. It's tilted at a slight angle to collect the blood at the bottom of it. It's a sacrificial altar. And then there are these stones and the stones are like 100 yards, 80 yards, 200 yards away from the center. So the stones go all the way around, all the way around like this. And those stones, tomorrow is the shortest day of the year. It's a high satanic holiday. It's a, it's a charged day. And if there are any Christians out there listening, you need to get prayed up because stuff's going to start happening. Stuff's going to start happening. Because they know they use this day. Also, on this day, we have a very rare conjunction this year. It's called the Bethlehem Star. It's what they saw about 2,000 years ago. So it's pretty amazing. So these what stones circle. Yeah. What a time these to stones be alive. Circle, yeah. Amen. These stones circle the center point of, the, of America's Stonehenge. They go all around like this. Okay. All these standing stones, 100 yards away from the center of the stone. Got that? I think you guys can see that, right? All the way around like this. So when they get there, they know something's up with these standing stones, but they don't know what it is. So the grandfather, uh, the first the first of the stones, to, to, <laughs> this, 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 by the guy who bought the site, he's thinking that perhaps what we're looking at is some sort of solar array. He's not sure. So they're looking at this, and they realize that this stone here corresponds to the summer solstice standing stone. And they watch the sunrise come up over that stone. There it is. The sunrise comes up like this wow. over the stone. Just wow. Quick. And at that point, they go, 
Oh my gosh. And then they start looking for other stones and they find them with the winter solstice, the spring equinoxes, the vernal equinox, the whole deal. So that's interesting, right? I mean, that's, that's incredible. And, and Dennis's father who discovered all that passes away. So you've got, uh, the grandfather, then you got Dennis, and you got Kelsey over here. Kelsey's a 23-year-old college student. This is all in the film. There's two films on it, America Stonehenge, The Canaanite Connection, and America Stonehenge, The Axis Monday, episode four and five. And if you're interested in that, you can go to streaming.lamarzuli.net, streaming.lamarzuli.net to stream it and binge watch all six or you can buy the hard copies by just going to lamarzuli.net. Shameless plug. Let's continue. So the bottom line is this. Kelsey Stone is a 23-year-old college student. He's grown up on the site. Okay? He's, 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 he's slept on the stone table, something which I don't think I would have done. But he's grown nope. up there. He's listened to his grandfather, his father. He knows all about this. Okay? And he goes on Google Earth. And he goes, you know, my house is sort of in line with the the center of the henge and the summer solstice standing stone. I wonder if my house is in alignment to it. He's just kind of thinking about it. So he goes on Google Earth. He finds the center of his, his site, America Stonehenge. And he goes out to the summer solstice standing stone. And he draws a line. Okay. And that's pretty interesting. And so he, he continues the line, and he's he goes through New Hampshire and, and Maine and Nova Scotia and the Atlantic Ocean, and pretty soon he goes through Ireland, and now he finds himself in southern England. And he hey, I know that Stonehenge, the real Stonehenge, is around here somewhere in southern England. I wonder if this line is close to it. So he starts to zoom in. If anybody who's used Google Earth, he starts to scroll in with the line. And to his absolute astonishment, that line splits the center trilothon. A trilothon is two uprights with a lintel across it like this. So two uprights and, and a crossbeam, a lintel. Like a, like a right? similar to maybe Stonehenge that, or? Well, it is. It, the real Stonehenge. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that, that that lentil, that line intersects the very center of that trilithon, the two uprights with the crossbeam, thousands of miles away. Oh now, my goodness. Is that just a coincidence? I do exactly know. or is that something Yeah. Hold on. I think I got a picture. Hold on. Yeah. Little... I might have thrown them away, but I don't Give me a second. Yeah, I got them right here. This will crack you up. So, so here's the first picture. This is from my book, Amatrail of a Nephilim. So there's the center of the hand right okay. there. And he draws a line. There's the line on Google Earth, okay? And then he realizes that, gee, I wonder where this goes. <laughs> and there's the second line. So the line, you can see it now. You know, he's over yes, Nova yes. Scotia, right? And then, let me see, where's the one I'm looking for? Hold on. 
And then he continues. What is up, Truth Hooligans? Big Country here. Listen, we want to tell you about a special GoFundMe that we have going on right now to help fund the hooligans. That's the name of it. Hashtag fund the hooligans. What we're trying to do is get some brand new mics for the show because we have a lot of things planned for 2021. Listen, 2020 has been absolutely fucking bonkers. However, the show has reached new heights that we have never even thought imaginable. And it's because of you. So listen, we have a Patreon planned for 2021. A lot more shows, a lot more episodes, a lot more interviews, videos, live shows, videos, live shows, live call-ins, a documentaries planned, so many more things to come for the show. We're not going anywhere. We're just getting started. So by taking a, you know, a favor and throwing it up the internet like our hero Gordo from those conspiracy guys say, you would be truly doing us a great service by helping us reach our goal of $1,200. Now, we're already halfway there. So half the work is already done from some wonderful, wonderful people that have donated to us. And with how many people are listening to the show now, if every person just gave a dollar, we would hit our goal next week. After you hear this episode, we would hit our goal. Listen, I know Christmas is right around the corner. 2020 has been nuts. Who knows what's going to happen at the end of December, coming into January with the inauguration, with you know Trump's executive order. It's just all fucking bonkers. Man. So if you don't have it, don't give it. But if you do, you want to take a 5, 10, a 20, no more than that, and roll it up and throw it at our faces, and we'll swallow it, and we'll spit it out into some new microphones so that way we can provide the best sounding episodes for you guys. Listen, we listen to all of our fans, all of our reviews that you guys write for us. We listen, we read them, we respect them. And one of the reviews is the microphones catch a lot of background noise, sniffing, coughing, things like that. These mics will help us cut that out, edit that out to provide better quality sounding shows for you, the truth hooligans. So listen, if you got your phone in front of you and you want to throw us a five or a 10, go to gofundme.com. Type in hashtag fund the hooligans or whiskey, beer, and conspiracies podcast. We'll pop right up. It's also linked on our Instagram under our link tree. You can go there, take a flavor, and throw it at us. That would be amazing. So thank you so much for your continued support to all that we do here on the show. And we will talk to you guys on the next one. Stay vigilant, hooligans, and welcome to the Nebuchadnezzar. finds himself in southern England, and it splits... Both Trilothons dead center. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Right? Right? Wow. There's no way that that's a coincidence. There's no way. There's no way. No, there isn't. And the only way you can do that 4,000 years ago is to triangulate in the air. Who is the prince of the power of the air? We are looking, and this is what's amazing. This has been hidden for 4,000 years. No one knew about it until Kelsey Stone went on Google Earth. And then what he discovered, I'll show it again, what he discovered was this. And that's absolutely mind-boggling. That is insane. Now, when when that when that line, that imaginary line, right, when it crosses through Ireland, when it crosses through Nova Scotia, what what else does it cross through? Anything else significant in those areas? Not so much in those areas, but what we discovered, and this is the work of Dennis Stone, 
you know, Kelsey's it, it's Robert Stone's the grandfather, then Dennis, then Kelsey. So Robert Stone knew about, you know, the summer solstice sunrise coming up over that He knew about that, but he didn't know about the connectivity. Dennis Stone didn't know anything about it either. It was Kelsey Stone who discovered it. So then Dennis and Kelsey go, gee, I wonder if there are other correlations to these standing stones at America Stonehenge. And this is all in number five, the Axis Mundi, the center of the world in our film. This is what the film exposes. So I'll just give you one. I'll just give you one. All right. Uh, I'm not going to give away the whole film. And and it's like, you know, if you're at all interested in this, I mean, you know, spend three or four dollars and, and rent it on our on our streaming site. Give me a break. Streaming.lamarzuli.net. Streaming.lamarzuli.net. Love it. So Love when it. you go from the center of the hinge, the center of the hinge, right? Mm-hmm. To another one of the standing stones, you wind up, drum roll, please, in the pyramid of the moon at Tiwanaku. Teotihuacan, excuse me, Teotihuacan in Mexico. What? That is an ancient, yeah, ancient megalithic site, Teotihuacan in Mexico, and that's and there are other sites, and I'm not going to give the film away. There are other sites, and that's why we call it the Axis Mundi, the center of the world. And here's something to think about: if you move the standing stone a foot in either direction. Just a foot, you'd wind up hundreds of miles away from Stonehenge, England, or hundreds of miles away from Teotihuacan. The line on Google Earth goes right through the center of these sites. We are looking Get out at of the town. fingerprints of the supernatural. We are looking at the fingerprints of the supernatural. Get out of town. So now, are you are you saying that? It, you you believe through your research and and the films that you've produced that now no no before I ask that question let's go back a little bit break down <laughs> for anybody listening uh, who are the Nephilim what, what what is who are the Nephilim what is your belief that the Nephilim are the Nephilim are the progeny the offspring of the fallen angelic hosts the ones that rebelled thousands of years ago, maybe tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands. We don't know when the rebellion took place. That's a long time ago. So they are interdimensional entities. They're very powerful. Um, They can manipulate space, time, matter, and energy. So when I say fallen angel, you have no idea of what we're talking about here. I don't have an idea. I've got a a glimpse of it. And they're very powerful. Uh, They're not all-knowing. They're they're not omnipresent or omnipotent, nothing like that, but they're much more powerful than you and I are. Sure. So the sure. Nephilim are the progeny of these of these fallen angelic entities and the human women of Earth coming together and creating an offspring, a hybrid entity, which is known as the Nephilim, the fallen ones. That's what they are. And they roam the earth in the days of Noah and also afterward. So are you saying that their 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 lineage, their bloodline is still here, do you believe? Our work our work in the Watchers series, Richard Shaw um and I did ten films together. Richard passed away two years ago, uh this August, coming August. Very unexpected. Shame. Very and we shame. had put a, we had, we had parted 
Yeah, we had parted company very amicably, but we had parted company. It was time for me to go off on my own. Richard was totally in the finding the Ark of the Covenant, and I was into Amitrail of the Nephilim. So we had different, different, you know, different uh, pathways. Right. And we, sure. Again, we, time, time to go. Richard taught me everything I know about filmmaking. Uh, he was a great friend and still is. I miss him greatly, and uh, but I know I'll see him again. So here's Absolutely. the deal. Yeah, he's just just a, just a great guy. So the idea of this whole Watchers series came about. I was at uh, a casting call uh, in Hollywood. A friend of mine said, "Hey, LA, you know, you got all this research. They're doing a show on UFOs. Why don't you go down and you know throw your hat in the ring?" I said, "Okay, I got nothing else better to do. Why not?" So I go in there and I do this. Sure, I'm there day and there's a couple of magicians there's some models there's a psychic there's some guy from the ufo hunters thing nobody's written anything okay i'm the only published author that's there i'm going like, what the what the heck am i doing so at the end of the thing i left and got in the parking lot and called richard and i said richard let's start our own film series we'll call it the watchers and he goes well, how much money do we have? And I go, we have nothing. <laughs> and he goes, well, I've got a camera. Let's go. That was the beginning. Right. That was the beginning. We right. made the first series, made the first film Watchers, and we printed 200 DVDs. I put it up on my website. They sold out in 24 hours. No so we way. So we printed 500. They sold out in 24 hours. Yeah. And that was the beginning of it. So now it's years later. We're on Watchers 10. Richard's on a, on a radio show doing an interview much like I am. And there's this guy on the, on the show who calls in. And so the host finishes the show, but holds this caller on because Richard wants to talk to him. Mm -hmm. Well, the caller's a shooter. He's uh, special ops. And he basically said to Rick, you know, I was in a, in a team and we, we shot a giant. And so Richard gives me the information. I call this guy up. I interviewed him on the phone at least three different times. And, and you know, because before you bring somebody in like this, you got to find out who this guy really is. Right, right, right. And everything ring true to me. And I finally met him and he showed me all his credentials, you know, all the, all the just passports and this and that and all everything, all the, all the stuff that you would have to have to do what he said he was going to do. So the story is this, and it's in our Watchers 10 series. You can also download that if you want, streaming.lamarzuli.net. And he's, uh, he's in Afghanistan, and a patrol goes missing. They don't miss – they miss their rally points. So no one's heard from this patrol in 24 hours. So another patrol is dispatched. This is in the Kandahar province of Afghanistan, circa 2001. Okay, right after 9-11, heavy we presence. There. Yeah, heavy they're presence looking, there. They're looking for high-value targets. So the platoon missing. 24 hours later, they drop another platoon in following this trail for hours. And they finally come into this place, very mountainous area, where they see uh, what looks like remnants of radio parts. There is like parts of tissue like bones and and it's really weird and they come around and they're way up in the air and there's a cliff there's like a plateau a cliff 
a shelf in the cliff, maybe like 20 feet wide, and then straight down thousands of feet to the floor below. And above them is a cave. And as they enter this okay. flat area, all okay. of a sudden above them, this 12-foot giant comes out, flaming red hair, six fingers. <laughs> six fingers. Right, right. And uh, it, it's got this very large lance, and it's like screaming at them. They're all frozen. This is like a nightmare, which they, you know, they're not trained for this. And everybody's just right. like, you know, frozen. Finally, one guy breaks free of the brain fog and starts running at this thing, firing his weapon. This thing moves with such agility. The giant moves with such agility that none of these guys can believe how fast and how agile it is. Before anybody can do anything, it's it's impaled. It's impaled Captain Dan, or whatever this guy was, Dan. He's, he's impaled on the spear, and he's dangling on the spear, okay, like this. And the giant holds it up, and they're realizing that he's coming after them. And one of the guys yells, shoot him in the head, shoot him in the head. And they all open fire. There's about 10 guys there. They all open fire at this guy. They basically decapitate him. Not not completely, but almost completely. He's almost completely decapitated. He falls to the ground. Dan's still impaled. They wrap him up. They call for the choppers to come. Dan succumbs to his wound. Now, when the, when the guy, when the shooter, we call him a shooter, when the shooter tells me this every single time, in all three phone calls and when we actually had him on camera, when he gets to this point of the story, he breaks down and starts crying. Now, you know, you can be a great actor. I get that. But it's genuine. It's genuine. That's why it's one of the reasons why we had him on camera. Because I said, Rick, he's telling the truth. In my opinion, he's telling the truth. This really happened. And so when when the thing falls and there's Dan and they bandage him up, but before the medevacing gets in there, he dies. The shooter told us this thing stunk so bad. He said everybody was was holding like this. Because it was so, it was nauseating. The smell, the stench of this thing. He said it was like a pile of rotted corpses. That's now I've never smelled a pile of rotted corpses. I don't want to do that. But that's what he said it was like. He said it was absolutely unbelievable. So a soldier like that would know what rotting corpses would smell like. I mean, that's what they do. They're in firefights and they go and you know. But I have no idea. There were six fingers, red hair, double rows of teeth. And uh, the, the army came in. They There were two choppers. One chopper came in with a huge net. They put the thing, they rolled the thing over, about 1,500 pounds. They rolled the thing over, into the net, off it went. When they went back to the base, they had to write a report. Well, they looked at the report, and they said, no, 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 we're not taking that. Rewrite the report. Leave out the giant. So... You say, well, that's a great story. The problem is we have a second witness who was at that same base in Kandahar about two to three years later. And there was a rumor circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, exactly the story I told you, but you weren't allowed to talk about it. But when they were training at the base in Kandahar and they were told cave fighting, aim high, aim high. Now, why were they being told that? Why would, why would you be aiming? And they would go, well, why am I aiming high? And the instructor said, 
just trust us, aim high. <clears throat> because, you know, they're taught to put <clears throat> center mass. Two in the chest, one in the head. Right, center, yeah, exactly. But they do. Aim, aim high. Aim high. That's all it's all in the film. Watchers 10. My 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 mouth has been open for the last three and a half, four minutes because I can't believe what I'm here. This is okay, so now I have I have heard the Kandahar Giant story before. Now is this an isolated incident? Is there more stories like this? No. Yeah, there is. Steve Quayle broke the story before we did. But what we discovered when we when we took Quail's pilot and our shooter and we put them together, we realized they were years apart and in two different locations. It's not the same giant. Not the same giant. So that, oh now, now we know there's gosh. more than one. Exactly. So is, these things could be thousands of years old. So now, well, my goodness. Now, two things. One, um, LA, if, if I would have been in that unit... If I would have been in that unit, I would have immediately started like vomiting, crying. I, you know, I have no idea. Fetal position, probably. Um, but two is is in, in your research, and you've done. You said you're on number ten now. Is there a cover? Well, no, I'm, I'm on. I'm on. I'm on number seven. There's ten films of the Watcher oh, series. Ten films. I'm on number seven of Obama Trail of the Nephilim. Okay, gotcha. Okay, clarification. Sorry. Um, is is it in your research? Is there a cover up happening worldwide amongst governments? I mean, so let's just look at it from this perspective. Okay, so what they're covering up? They just announced that aliens existed like a couple months ago, and no one really seemed to care. So, what would be the, exactly. the purpose of exactly. of covering up? You know, hey, by the way, giants are real too. We've killed a bunch of them. We just don't want you to know. Like, what is? What, what do you think? What's because it points back to the validity of a supernatural worldview. It points back to the veracity of the biblical narrative. And that, mm -hmm. that just changes everything, changes mm -hmm. everything. Because now it's not, you know, some ceremony that we do on Sunday or a bunch of statues in a church to hold different deal. We are at a war footing. There is a supernatural world, which is manifesting. Uh, all over this planet. And we see vestiges of it. That's why I'm on the trail. We see vestiges of it everywhere. I already talked about some of them, like America Stonehenge. But, you yes. know, you go to places, let's say, I'll, I'll give you a far off one. Mm -hmm. You go to a place by, like in Portugal called Zambujaro. <clears throat> Zambujaro. Hidden. Hidden away for thousands of years. No one knew what this thing was. It's a flat plain, olive trees now, farming village. There was a mound that was kind of like, well, that doesn't really, what, what's that? What is that? And so about 30, 40, 50, about 40 years ago, an archaeologist said, something's up with that. So he began to go to the mound and he started to dig. He found a huge slab of stone, huge slab. And the mound is probably in his heyday before they excavated it. 150 feet, right? It's it's not some small little amount. It's huge. And it went up maybe 30 feet, 40 feet in the air. So it's this huge mountain. And, of course, over the thousands of years, now there's trees. So it's like, well, maybe it's a mountain, but who knows? So he, he sees this slab, and he dynamites it. The slab is like, you know, five, six inches. Actually, it's, it's actually thicker than that. 
more like 10 to 12 inches thick, and it's huge. And now it's in two pieces. They move it away, and they start to dig. They find a chamber. Hey, Truth Hooligans out there. I want to tell you about our amazing friends over at Dr. Cowan's Garden. That's right, the Dr. Thomas Cowan, a practicing holistic doctor in San Francisco who has revolutionized health with his healing of your body through a clean diet and natural medicines. You may recognize him through numerous video lectures discussing many different topics concerning your health when it comes to viruses and the integrity of some tests that are being used to prop up the pharmaceutical industry's mass hysteria operations right now in 2020. He is the author of Human Heart, Cosmic Heart, published by Chelsea Green in 2016. He is the primary author of The Fourfold Path to Healing and co-author with Sally Fallon, of the Nourishing Traditions Book of Baby and Child Care. He is one of the founding board members of the Weston A. Price Foundation, and he is trained in experience in anthroposophic medicine as well. His newest book was just banned from Amazon, so obviously he is doing something right. But check it out. Dr. Cowan's Garden and his family have created a way to benefit your body by inputting clean, healthy toppings that you can add to your already existing diet. Dr. Cowan's Garden has created powerful vegetable powders. Dr. Cowan's Garden has created powerful vegetable powders that you can add to your already existing recipes or use them as seasonings. Each of these jars contains roughly 50 teaspoons and a single teaspoon serving of Dr. Cowan's Garden powdered vegetables equates to a full serving of cooked vegetables. Parents, are you having trouble with stubborn toddlers out there not wanting to finish all their vegetables? Boom, no problem. Okay, throw a quick teaspoon on your child's food and bang, a full serving of cooked vegetables in a teaspoon. We are excited to work with Dr. Cowan's Garden and by clicking the link that we have listed on our website under our affiliates program, you can receive 15% off your order when you enter the promo code Dr. Cowan's Garden. You get that discount no matter what when you go to his website and if you just enter the promo code Dr. Cowan's Garden, you get 15% off your entire order. However, it does help us out by being an affiliate with Dr. Cowan's garden if you click the link on our website go through there and use the promo code so listen hooligans we know we talk about health and taking care of your body and the conspiracy with pharmaceutical industries and this guy is waging war against that very pharmaceutical industry so head on over to drcowansgarden.com use the promo code Dr. Cowan's Garden, all one word, to receive 15% off your entire order. But help us out by clicking on the link on our website under the Affiliates tab. Change the way you view what you put in your body and see how these products can change your life. Welcome to the Nebuchadnezzar Hooligans. Which is absolutely unbelievable. And we filmed there. And there was an archaeologist that was there with his little group of people. He was leading a tour. And he's trying to tell us that human beings built this. And I just said... You know, all you're doing is parroting what you learned in school. So look at the size of it. And the stones are like 20 feet in the air. And they're huge. They're absolutely humongous. They're megalithic. Wow. I said, well, let me get straight. Human beings did this. Why is it that it only happens for a certain period of time and then it all goes away? You know, I mean, if, 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 if it was so easy to do, if human beings could do this, why didn't they keep doing it? Well, they stopped keep they stopped doing it because they, the people that were doing it were no longer there. Thank you very much. But mm-hmm. see, they, they won't they won't even look at that. They look at people like me and they and I'm, I've got the tinfoil hat on. And yet, <laughs> and yet, and yet, okay. 
So this is done, and that's only one site. There's thousands of them. And all the stones and the chamber, I mean, this whole thing is it's so deliberate. And then it's all covered over with earth so no one would find it. It's just, it's just absolutely mind-boggling. And the amount of earth, you know, they only excavated part of the mound. The rest of the they only excavated where the stones are. Right. The mound is still there. Who knows what, what's left in the mound? Oh, okay? I can only we, imagine. Know, we don't know. Yeah. Exactly. N- and frankly, the excavation, it, they didn't go deep enough. They right. don't know that. But they didn't go deep enough. You got to go down. Once you get to ground level, you got to go down 10 to 12 feet. I don't know how far down they went. Right now, look, so this is so amazing. Let me ask you, are you familiar or have you heard of um, the mud flood, the theory of the mud flood, the Tartarian people? Uh, does that play into any of this by by chance that there was this worldwide cover-up of this ancient far advanced civilization that was to be buried based on this lineage of the Nephilim that um, whoever these people were at the, at the time wanted this information pun intended buried. Well, you know, when you, when you look at all these places, something look. In Ohio, let's go back to Ohio. They call um, the people that the mound builders, okay? And they call them uh, the Hopewell. Well, no one knows who the Hopewell is. They have no idea what these people who actually built the mounds called themselves. Hopewell was a farmer who began to discover these artifacts. So they named this entire culture, this lost civilization, on this farmer, Hopewell. But they have no idea who these people were. And what they were really about, they have no idea. And any artifact that they find that doesn't fit their narrative becomes ceremonial. So if they find a 28-pound axe head, a 28-pound axe head, oh, well, that's ceremonial. If they find, you know, blades, spearheads that are like, you know, a foot and a half long, oh, that's ceremonial. Well, how do you, you know, how do you know that? You're just making all this up. You don't sure. even know, you guys don't even know who these people really were or what they called themselves, but you're going to tell us all about their culture. <laughs> I mean, it's so disingenuous. <laughs> it, it, it's laughable. It's just laughable. And they oh, all parrot yeah. the same nonsense because they all go to the same schools and learn the same stuff. And if you want to get a, a degree in, in archaeology and you want to get a, a tenure position at a museum or a site, you know, you've got to be a Darwinist and you've got to parrot what you've been told. Right. You know, take your thinking cap and just throw it away. And right. that's every every person that I talk to. Well, the Native Americans built this one basket full of earth at a time. And we actually found an entire basket in one of the mounds. Well, I said, well, okay, so you found that. Okay, I get that. You don't know whether that's secondary burial or not, do you? You have no idea. Mm-hmm. So we know that the Native Americans went into these mounds and used them as interment sites. But they did not build the mounds. Here's a perfect example. The serpent mound is the largest serpent uh, iconography on the planet. It's in near Peebles, Ohio. I've been there three different times. Highly charged site. Highly charged site. Tomorrow at the at the at the winter solstice, a shorter day of the year, guaranteed there will be at least one coven, if not two or three covens of witches on that site. 
Barf, dude. Guaranteed. They will be to do their deal. Is that ever Guaranteed documented? They will be there. Is that ever documented, recorded? Well, no, because no one cares. Like, I mean, if I was there and I had nothing else to do tomorrow, <laughs> right? I wouldn't sure. go alone. I would go with a group of people who were prayed up. Sure. When we were there on the spring equinox several years ago with Fritz Zimmerman, there was a coven of wicked witches there. There was doing all their nonsense. They know what the site is. It's yeah. a serpent. Yeah. The serpent's mouth is open like this, and it's in the act of swallowing an egg, which goes into Genesis 3.15. It's the largest serpent iconography on the planet. Jeez Louise. Jeez Louise. It's all in, in plain sight. And when you go there, the signage says the, the, the Cherokee, or the Shawnee, excuse me, the Shawnee built this site. How? The, how? Okay. So Chief, Chief Joseph Riverwind, who's a Native American First Nation person, chief from a Tiano tribe, came on the record, and he showed me a document from Chief Wallace of the Shawnee, who states on the record that the Shawnee did not build the Serpent Mount. We right. didn't do it, but it was here when we got here. But the, but the Americans, right, the white anthropologists, who will call someone like me a racist for saying that the Shawnee didn't build it, Right? So who's the real racist here? When they're insisting <laughs> that the Shawnee built it, when the chief of the Shawnee says, no, we didn't build this, it was here when we got here. So where's where's the real racism, you know, really coming from? Well, we, you know, you Native Americans will pat you on the head here. Well, we're going to say that you built it even when you didn't build it. We're going we're gonna to tell you what you're going to do. It's unbelievable. And when you see Chief Joseph in the film, it's in, I think it's in episode three, A Secrets of a Supernatural, Obama Trail of a Nephilim series. Chief Joseph is a, a wonderful man. I've been been a bunch of different places with him. And he and his wife, Laura Lynn, they're just great people to be around. They're born again, spiritual Christians, wonderful people. But, you know, Chief, Chief Joseph is, uh, you know, he's a chief. He's Native American, First Nation people, served in our military. Wonderful man. And when you wow. see him, and he's a real easygoing guy. He's right. a real easygoing, affable, likable. I mean, you just meet him and it's like it's like your best friend right. instantly. That's that's who Chief Joseph is, right? So in the film, and every time I saw this while I was editing, you know, I'm an editor, right? I'm a director, an editor, I make filmmaker. So, you know, and we all know when you edit, you go over and over and over and over and over. So every time I would see that, I would get choked up. Just sure. one part what I'm about to tell you in the film. Because Chief Joseph was like, all of a sudden you see the eyes begin to smolder. Mm -hmm. And you see the, the, the anger at this injustice which is being done. Because the Shawnee didn't build it. And yet, and yet, you know, these, these yahoos are insisting that the Shawnee built it. When the chief of the Shawnee comes on the record and says, no, it was here when we got here, someone else built this. But you can't say that because it goes against the prevailing paradigm, which is to your point that, yes, <clears throat> there is an agenda to keep all this information away from the public, away from the people, so they don't know. So, look, 30 years ago, let me get a slurp. When I was yeah. talking about UFOs, Mm -hmm. 
people in the Christian community was nuts. Okay? But I saw them when I was 12 years old, and I have been researching them forever. So it's like a lifelong research tra- trail for me. Sure, and sure. Now, now the Pentagon has come out and stated on the record, we now have in our possession off-world vehicles uh-huh. that are not made on this earth. You know? So yeah. what are we going to do with that? So for 30 years, I've been banging this drum professionally, 30 years uh-huh. banging this drum, yeah. talking about it. Yeah. So it's gone from tabloid to mainstream. <laughs> right. And it's the same thing with you. Right? Right. Eventually, eventually, it's going to come out. <clears throat> Hopefully. So now... <sighs> I've so back to the back to the Shawnee real quick. Now I've made this uh, um, joke numerous times um, on our show. Now I, I'm a I'm a I'm a, a flat earther. If you want to label it that that give it that that for the lack of a better term, that's my belief, right? And, and we can that's a whole nother episode, and we've done a show on that. I'm the of the three hosts. I'm the only one who's on board with that. Now I've done three and a half years of of just. I mean, probably too much research on the topic, but I came to a cross where a crossroad, and I said, "Hey, this is where I I, I got to draw the line, and what do I believe?" Well, this is what I believe, and and the, and the core of that is, um, that if you believe in a flat Earth, you believe in a creator, and if you don't, you 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 believe that it wasn't put here by a creator, and you could have that argument either way. Now, what I'm saying about this. <laughs> Is that um, I've I've made the joke on our show before that you know how scientists and and, and researchers they say things like um, sharks don't like the way people taste that's why they don't get attacked a lot and to my rebuttal to that is how the fuck you know that because you don't speak shark and your only evidence is that a lot of people don't get attacked by sharks. And when they bite somebody, they let go. Well, here's a theory for you. Maybe the the shark lets go because a shark bites a human, and the human punches and kicks and scratches and and fights back. Maybe that's a possibility. Um, but I think scientists, at a lot of times, speak highly on a particular uh, category of something that they're passionate about, and because they have the certificate that says this and I've done this research and I am tenured here and I went to this school, I know more than you do. And because I agree with all these other experts, this is what it is. Like you're sitting here saying you're you're having these, these, these archeologists and these scientists tell a, a first nation tribe, you did this. And they're like, no, bro, we did not. No, and, it's, we didn't do it, right? and it's really dis, you know, it, it's, I mean, you could go into any subject really, I think, and, and, and make this comparison. I mean, look what's going on with coronavirus right now. You have a group of scientists that's saying like, this is the worst thing ever in the entire world. And then you have a group of scientists and doctors over here and they said, no, it's the flu. You'll be fine. Take this and you'll, you'll be good. And they're like, this is a conspiracy. Don't. So it's i mean you could compare this to any any subject and i'm so glad we're having this conversation because this could this goes into so many different things that literally 
LA, we've already talked to you about so many of the subtopics that are like ingrained in this this subject that you're so well vested in, and uh, the, the 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 mound builders, right? The Nephilim, the fallen angels, the offspring of the fallen angels. What do you think happened to them? What do you think they went? I think a lot of them were destroyed and. Uh, I think that there's this, uh, I've been sort of teasing with working on a, a book on this. There's a, Tim Alberino told me this, that there's in, this, in, the, in the archives down in Peru, uh, when the conquistadors came in, there was the stories that the conquistadors heard from the natives, the Inca, who were there. And one of the stories talks about these giants, all right, were in this field. And Again, this goes right back to the Book of Enoch. The giants were fornicating with one another. All right. Yes. So it, it's it's this whole. I was thing, just right? gonna bring. I don't mean to cut you up. I was just gonna. I was like, my next question was, where does the Book of Enoch fall into this? I literally have the Book of Enoch in my closet, right next to the New King James, <laughs> right next to the uh, Book of uh, the Book of Islam, and and all the other religious texts that I've read in my life. I that was my next question, man. What a segue. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm so excited. No, that's all right. So so in in Peru. <laughs> The Inca talk about these giants who are fornicating, you know, basically homosexual relationship. Um, it's a big orgy. And all of a sudden the sky cracks open and this angelic beam comes in and he's got some like a sword or something. And he strikes them all down, just strikes them all down. So my theory has been this, that all these sites are allowed to flourish for a period of time. And then the God of the Bible does something about it. He allows it to happen for a period of time, and then he intervenes. And that's why it goes away. And that's why no one knows what happens to archaeologists will say, well, they just disseminated it into other populations. But that's just conjecture. Sure. They don't know what happened. Right. Native Americans talk about in, 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 in Nevada. Lovelock Cave. And I've been to Lovelock Cave just once, okay, in Nevada. And Sarah Winnemucca talks about the story of these red-haired giants who were cannibalistic. And they would come and they would steal their children and eat them, all right? So the tribes had it, had it up to here. We're going to do this anymore. <clears throat> so they all got together and they pursued the giants and they drove them into this one cave. And they piled all this brush in front of the cave and they lit it on fire. And when you go to the cave, on the ceiling, it's all blackened from a fire, okay? And as the giants would come out, they would kill them. Well, that's a fanciful story. Archaeologists poo-poo it. Here's what's interesting. The cave was filled up by the Bureau of Land Management. So you can know you can go into the cave, but it had two wings to the left and to the right that went way down. Well, that's all gone now. So we'll never know. There was a book I had from 1923 by an archaeologist who um, did excavations in the cave, but he wasn't the first there. We also know that there were reports. There's a dry lake bed, okay? In Sarah Winnemucca's time, thousands of years ago, that was a lake. They were fishing that thing. 
It was it was a totally different deal than what it is now, a desert, bleak, foreboding, right? And uh, in that dry lake bed, they found a 12-footer, 12-footer and a 9-footer buried together in that lake bed, in that dry lake. I mean, there's stories like this all over the place. And, you know, hey, Truth Hooligans out there, Big Country here. I want to tell you about our good friends at Cushy Dreams. That's right. We've teamed up with Cushy Dreams, who offers a full line of premium smokable CBD. They specialize in extraordinary CBD rich hemp flower, aka bud, in cans, three and a half grams, or pre rolled CBD joints. What's wonderful about this company is it tastes great. And it has the same effects of marijuana without getting you high. So if you're tired of gummies and vapes and you want to have some CBD in your future, you know what I'm saying? Head on over to CushyDreams.com to get you some smokable CBD. Listen, 2020 has been anxious as balls, okay? What you need to do to calm yourself down, head on over to Cushy Dreams. Check out all their different blends like Energy, Hustle, Relax, just to name a few. They take the artisan approach. Every run is small batch, 100% hand trimmed, never machine trimmed, independent lab tests to show compliance and purity, all grown right here in the US of A. That's right. Suck it at China. Okay, so head on over to Cushy Dreams CBD flower and pre-rolled joints. They come in a specific indica sativa blend. Head on over to Cushy Dreams, K-U-S-H-Y, K-U-S-H-Y dreams.com to get you some high quality CBD smokable bud, baby. At checkout, use promo code WBC for 20% off your first order. That's right. Promo code WBC for 20% off your first order. It's a great stocking stuffer. So get it while it lasts before the holidays are over. You're not going to want to miss this action because believe me, we've tried it. It's phenomenal and it does what they say that it does. So head on over to Cushy Dreams, K-U-S-H-Y dreams.com. Use the promo code on checkout WBC for 20% off. When we were at uh, Fritz and Zimmerman and my Peggy, my wife and I, we were at um, Graves Creek Mound in West Virginia, and you know we were talking to the to the head honcho there, mm-hmm. and we were kind of asking him, you know, we know that that allegedly there were giants taken out of here. Oh, no, that's just nonsense. So, as luck would have it, one of the women who worked at the museum retired and a new lady came in to take her place. So the new woman, the new worker uh, was looking through all the, all the files and created this like little display, which she put uh, in, in on the way out of the museum to the actual mound. So the okay. museum's here, you go through the museum and you walk out and there's the mound. You can walk up this spiral staircase, which they put in um, and then you're on top of the mountain. It's an Adena mound. The sides are very, very steep. Very, very steep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so we're walking out, and Peggy goes, Oh my gosh, what's this? This is all in the film. And Fritz goes, Oh my gosh, here's a picture in a magazine copied from a lithograph from like 1870. Now that means that mound at one point they tunneled into it and they created a museum in the interior of the mound. And there was a very large skeleton on display. 
That lithograph shows the skeleton. Now, it's a lithograph. It's a drawing. Sure. But there's a woman and her daughter, okay, in one of those big, huge hoop skirts. And across next to the – here's the skeleton. Over here is a guy with a stovepipe hat that's looking at something, a display. He's here. He's this height, right? And next to him is the skeleton, which towers over his head. Wow. So we filmed all that, and we show that in the film. I think it's in episode two of Armatrail of a Nephilim. Well, this Yahoo archaeologist, right? And that's another story. <laughs> so this guy's got a little YouTube channel, and he, he he's like trying to bunk us. But as one, of, one astute observer, he says, the picture you're showing doesn't look anything like the picture that L.A. Marzulli showed in his book or in his film, mm-hmm. rather, not the book, the film. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you've done something different. They're not the same picture. So sure enough, we looked at his, his – someone emailed me this. So we went and we saw his YouTube thing, and we tried to get him on the record. Of course, you know, he won't – he's guy's a weasel, with all due respect. Sure. But <laughs> they photoshopped the picture. They photoshopped the picture to reduce the size of a skeleton. <clears throat> I mean, I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. Right. That picture, that lithograph, was never, ever supposed to see the light of day. Just like my my stuff, my, my work in Catalina Island with the nine-foot giant that I discovered in the archives, a picture that we had analyzed. See, this is real science. These guys, they come in, they, they look at stuff, they don't, they don't do anything. It's just like in Peru. They, they take a bunch of paper and they, here's a potter that we found. But, you know, the giant that we found over here, that, that's not important. We won't talk about that. But look at this pottery. It's just like makes you want to scream. Yeah. So I discover oh a picture. And this and is a Catalina, right? I mean, I. Yeah. I, Catalina giant. Please, yeah. Yeah. Hold please on. do. Please do. This is amazing, you guys. Holy cow. This is incredible. I'm so excited to see this too, being from being originally from California. Oh my goodness. So here's the original picture. Here, here's the original picture right here. Okay. That I discovered right here. Okay. Wow. All right. Now wow. what do you see? That's the original picture I discovered. Here's, okay. Here's Ralph Glenn. He's five foot eight. Look at the big guy next to him. This is a real picture. Yeah. I, I found it in the yeah. archives. I'm the guy who found it. And I had three guys um, analyze. Look at the size of his look at the size of the skull. Look at the size exactly. of the skull. Look at the size of the skull. It's a nine footer. So we go back to the museum, Richard Shaw and I, and this is the picture that they have. Oh, this fuck is the picture off. that's on the wall. Oh, you dirty <laughs> dog, you. Right, right, right. You dirty dog. There's you. the original picture, and there's the picture in the museum. Well, this and, is, and we, and that's that one. That went viral. And, and I said, and I, I, I went. To, yeah, I said, I said, what are you guys doing? Why did you crop the giant out? So in the new museum, they've taken the picture that I've discovered. They've blown it up huge, but they don't say anything about the giant. They don't tell you what you're looking at. Sure. So I mean, there's there's a deliberate a deliberate obfuscation. Wow. There is. It's a managed agenda, and we've proven it. Do you know our DNA? 
and I can only stay on for a few more minutes, but yeah, absolutely. Our, all, all of our DNA work with the elongated skulls in Peru. All right. I can't get a lab in the United States to sample, to sequence our stuff. They won't touch us. What? They won't touch us. And you know why they won't touch us? Because they don't. So here, here, this is supposed to be science, right? So I have samples, but you will sequence them because you're afraid of the results. Because you're afraid that the haplogroups will completely blow your goofy Darwinian theory right out of the water. And it does. It shows (laughs) that people came here from the Middle East thousands of years ago. And they don't like that. Right. And they will not sequence, which is open discrimination against me. And I'm actually that far away from seeing if I can get some sort of legal representation. What are these people afraid of? Yeah. What are they so afraid of? You know, they won't take samples from Peru. What are are you guys afraid of? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. That is incredible. And these these samples were taken legally. It took three years to get all the legal paperwork. They were taken legally out of Peru. And when we oh, show this in, we have a new film out. It's called, it's the DNA results. Uh, it's episode number six. It's about an hour. It's the whole seven year with the Paracas skulls. And let me, before I go, yes, I'll just give you one more thing. And then I've got to go. And in the film, we show this. Okay. In the film, we, we totally get into this. This is a replica, a one-to-one replica of one of these very enigmatic skulls from Peru. Holy of all that is holies. That's you just keep that in your house? That's terrifying. No, it's it's a mold. It's it's not the okay. real thing. It's a mold. Okay, I was like, it's a, it's holy a, it's, almost passed no, out on no air. No way I would keep this in the house. <laughs> almost yeah. passed out on this the air. This is a one-to-one mold. So what is what is um modern day scientists they say that's oh that's just a, a physical deformity or that oh, this is this is just this is just cranial deformation. This is just cradle headboarding. Let's just walk through this real quickly. Sure. Because I gotta go soon. Yeah, absolutely. This this is a smoking gun. And this was done by Rick Woodward. He was our anthropologist on our team. This is called the foramen magnum right here. Now, this this area here is it, to fit this dowel. It doesn't look like this, but here's the outer edge is real. This is done with, with clay so they can put a dowel in and make the mold. So you sure. can do this, okay? Right. The foramen magnum looks like this. These are called the foramen condyles right here. This is the foramen condyles. This is the foramen magnum. This hole should be moved about here. The center should be about here someplace. Sure. To balance the skull. In a normal human being, it would be here. Notice that it's all the way to the posterior. Here's the occipital plate. It's if it's any if it's any further, it's outside the skull. You see wow. that? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah. I'm any further back, I'm outside the skull. This is and look look at the orbits. They're thirty percent larger than a normal human being. They're huge. They're it's, huge. It, it's not human. And if, folks, if you're interested, go to our website, lamarzuli.net. You can get the hard copy DVD, DNA, the final results, or you can go to streaming.lamarzuli.net. Watch all six videos, and your mind will be blown. 
Oh my I mean, gosh. I guarantee you'll sit there and you go, oh, my gosh. Oh. And that's why we're on the trail. My there, gosh. Look, there is a hidden history which has been deliberately obfuscated from the peoples of the world. And, folks, that's why we are on the trail of the Nephilim. My goodness, Ellie, uh, this has been amazing, brother. I'll let you go. Any other shameless, not shameless at all plugs that you want to give where people can find your information and we'll let you head off into the night. Thank you. You know, just just go to the website. I mean, look, you know, I'm I'm the Lord's taking care of us. I, I don't need your money. I really don't. You know, but if you want to learn more, um, you know, for the price of you know, a couple of cups of coffee, you, you can get the whole series for under $25. Streaming.lamarzulli.net. Streaming.lamarzulli.net. It, it will blow your mind. It, it blew my mind when I was on. And, and that's why we're working on number seven, out of place artifacts. It's just like, oh my God. Oh my goodness. This, this has blown my mind and I'm sure it has blown everybody's else's mind when you hear this man head on over to his website la marzulli and check it out for yourself and uh, you got some shekels before the holidays throw them throw them his way and then check out these documentaries i know for sure i'm going to watch all of them with my wife so she can be terrified before we go to bed so la listen man thank you so much for your time uh, brother we would uh, definitely love to have you back on the show in the future uh maybe when you're when you're sure when the rest of them have, uh, have dropped to the world and find out, uh, you know, what else you've, you've discovered. Well, thanks for having me on. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you, brother. And Merry we'll Christmas. We'll talk again soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much, man. We'll talk yeah. to you very soon, man. Thanks so much. So that was our guest for this evening. LA. Yeah, that's right. Brother, live long and prosper, brother. Have a good Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and yours. All right. So that was it. That was our guest, L.A. Marzuli. Man, that was absolutely incredible. Unfortunately, he only had an hour's worth of time. But if you enjoyed that information, please go check out his website as well. Check out ours, wbconspiracies.com. You can get T-shirts there. All of our documentaries are up on the website. And, uh, you know, all the, all the t-shirts that, that are made are designed by us. So that's really cool. It's a great way to support the show. Listen, you're going to hear an ad during the show for our GoFundMe. And we are so close to getting this goal reached. And it's because of you guys. And, you know, talking to Chris and Boya, who weren't with me tonight, unfortunately, uh, we're going to be looking at some different options for social media. Uh, Instagram came out with this new fucking Nazi bullshit that they're doing with their platform. Twitter is a giant dumpster fire. Um, so we're looking at some other options. So stay tuned. We got some big news coming with some sponsors, some affiliates that we are working with right now. And it's all for you guys. It's all for the truth hooligans out there. Man, if you listen to this episode, you know exactly what it is that we talk about on the show and how important it is. So that's it for me, Big Country, Whiskey, Beer, and Conspiracy Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys in the next one. Welcome to the Nebuchadnezzar. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. USA is hell. USA is hell. Donald Trump, Putin, shit. My balls are hot.
say I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. My balls are hot. My balls are hot. My balls are hot.